Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... God said, I commend you guys for not letting that mess run rampant in the church of Ephesus. It's a good thing to not let evil prevail in the house of God. Amen? That's our job. That's, uh, we, the church has become very weak today where some people think it's more spiritual to just let folk do whatever they want. And just, just in the name of love, I want you to understand that Jesus says, I commend you guys on not letting evil run rapid. I, I'm, he's commending them for it, that you do not bear those who are evil. Don't forget that. As Christians in our current society, it's common to mistake God's grace as a free pass. We let things slide and eventually find ourselves making the same mistakes as the world. Today, Pastor Bill wants you to know that showing God's love to someone isn't letting them continually live in sin. Yes, it's important to be a loving light for God's glory to the world. But letting someone make the same mistakes over and over again is hurtful. Don't backslide to the world's standards. Be strong for God's kingdom. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, as he begins his message, Return to Your First Love. Well, we begin today a series through the seven churches. And so uh, we're at this point in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3. Uh, there are going to be seven letters written to seven different churches. And some wonder, you know, why these seven? There were many more churches at that time. Um, maybe, you know, the, the number seven is in, in, in the Bible, the number of completion, possibly, you know, we got seven churches for that reason. Um, if you look at the order of the churches on a, on a map, uh, it was a mailing route. It was, it was a, a route that the guys would go on. So it's possible that, you know, these were the key spots in the area. In either case, uh, these are seven unique churches. They all have different characteristics. And as we go through each one, I believe that there are things that God wants to speak to each of us about. Every one of you in this building, if you're born again, you're a member. You're a, an individual member of the church. Amen? Amen. Um, then as we gather together, we make up the, the body of Christ. There's just one church made up of many different members. So we each are individually a part of it. So um, as we read through this, um, I, I'm looking at it as a, as a church that God would speak to us as a whole. But I'm also believing that as you sit in your seat, that there'll be things that God is going to speak to you individually about. Um, and we want to we want to give ears. Uh, I want to point this out. There's some things that Jesus says to all seven churches. And I want to point those things out as we get ready to go through it. As he begins each letter, he tells each church, I know your works. Uh, he lets them know, look, there's, I know everything. I know your works. I know what you're doing. That's either good or bad or both. And we'll see that as we go through the letters. If, if God showed up in this room today and says, I know what you did yesterday. Some of you will be like, good. You know, I want my treasure in heaven. Some of you will be like, dang, <laughs> forgive me, Lord. You know, this, it, it has everything to do with what you're doing. But he's letting us know, I know your works. Uh, he says that to all seven churches in the beginning. He will introduce himself to each church with some characteristic of himself that has something to do with what he's going to say to that church. An example, the church of Smyrna that was a persecuted church, he says I, he comes to them as the one who lives and die, but lives again. And to the persecuted believers, he said, look, don't let death, don't be afraid of death. I'm the one that lived, I died, but I'm back, uh, as you will be too. And that's, that's how he presented himself to them. Each church, he presents himself 
with some characteristic of himself that has to do with his message to that particular church. Each, each letter is addressed to the, the angel or the elder pastor of that, the particular church. And Jesus will give commendations. Uh, if they're, if they're, you know, commendations to give them, if the things they're doing right, he'll usually tell them that first. Then he will give them corrections. If there are things that they're doing that are wrong, he will give them corrections. Some churches have only commendation. Some churches have only correction. Some churches, like what we're going to look at today in Ephesus, they get a little bit of both. Hey, you're doing this stuff right. You're doing this wrong. Every church that he gives a correction to, something they're doing wrong, he always gives a remedy. So Jesus never says, hey, man, you're messing up over there. Figure it out. He says, you're messing up over there. This is what you can do to get it right. He gives a remedy uh, to those that are that are messing up because he wants them to get it right. He closes each letter by saying, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches, plural to each le- each church. He says, that's why I believe each letter would is for every church. He says, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. So uh, it doesn't mean if you have physical ears, do you have ears to hear God? Do you have an ear for what the Lord is saying? If you do, then make sure you let him hear what the spirit is saying to the churches. Uh, he says that to each one. And lastly, he gives a promise to the overcomer. Each letter ends with a promise to those who overcome. He says, look, the, 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 you know, he'll make a different promise to each church to those people that will overcome. So with that, let's look at Revelation chapter two, verse one. Everybody got it? All right. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. So we open up this letter. Jesus does. Uh, he addresses it to the, the angel, which we talked about earlier, the angel, the messenger, the elder of the church of Ephesus. Now, we know some things about the church of Ephesus. Who planted the church of Ephesus? Paul the apostle planted the church of Ephesus. So they got, they got a good, they got a good start, right? They got cream of the crop as a church planting them. When Paul left the church, he left them in the hands of who? You might know. This is for Jesus juice. Anybody know? <laughs> they left, he left him with Timothy, right? Remember Paul said about Timothy, nobody quite has my heart like he does. And when Paul left Ephesus, he sent Timothy. He sent someone that had the same heart, same pastoral heart to, to cover that group. So they were well cared for. The church of Ephesus is where Apollos, Aquila, Aprila, uh, that's tongues, uh, interpretation. It's, it's where Aquila, Priscilla, and Apollos ministered. So um, it was a very well-grounded, solid church, had a great beginning. Um, and so this is the church that he's writing to here. The church of Ephesus um, to the angel of the church of Ephesus right now, the way that Jesus presents himself to this church, these things says he who holds the seven stars, the angels, right? The leaders, right? It's the stars and the leaders. So he says he, this <laughs> All right now, get your, get your notes out. Y'all better bring your notes back. Okay. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand. So I, Jesus is presenting himself as the one who I, I'm holding the leaders in my hands. And it says, he who walks in the midst of the lampstands. What the lampstands are, the what? So Jesus said, look, I'm the one that's, I'm holding the leaders, and I'm walking in the midst of the the church. I'm I'm right here, I'm I'm holding it all together, and I'm right here in the midst of it. This is going to be important, because this is the church that we're going to see as we get into it, that 
uh, the, the, the challenge that they've had is that somehow in the midst of all the wonderful work they're doing, they've lost that place of that first love, affection, that where the Lord is number one, where he's in the, in the number one spot while they're still doing all this great work. And so he says, look, I'm, I'm still holding the leaders and I'm right in the midst of everything. I see what's going on. Um, and he's going to begin to speak to them now, which he has a lot of. There are so many positive things to say about the church of Ephesus, and Jesus says all of them. So look at what he says first. Look at verse 2. He says, uh, I know your works. I told you guys, he says that to all seven churches. And how you hear that has everything to do with how you are doing, right? When God says, I know your works, we know from Hebrews 4, 13, it says that all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. That means God sees everything good and bad, right? So what about the person that serves in an obscure, unidentified, non-celebrated sort of way? God would say, hey, don't worry about it. I know your works. The one who matters knows your works. I want you to write this verse down just for your reference. Write down Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. Paul says there, whatever you do, do it heartily. That means with all your heart. As to the Lord and not from men, knowing that from the Lord you receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. So in our Christian service, in our work, we're to, whatever we do, we're not to do it to be seen by men. We're to do it as unto the Lord. Amen. And we don't want to lose that because you, you can serve men. And I've been in ministry long enough to see people that were, they were serving, but they weren't really serving the Lord. And it, and it comes out in, in kind of funky ways. If you're serving man, when man don't thank you long enough, you're like, man, I'm, I'm, you don't, you know, you feel underappreciated, but if you're serving the Lord, Anybody serving the Lord knows that man can't, man won't see everything you do for the Lord. You got to just be doing it as unto the Lord. Your, your payday is coming later. Amen. And it's a healthier place to serve from. I got to serve you. And if nobody sees it, you saw it. If nobody knows it, you know it. The one that matters knows. Um, and so that's a, this is a healthier place to serve from. Jesus says, I know your works to the church of Ephesus. And now he begins. Um, with the commendation, these are all positive things. So look at what he says. Uh, I know your works. First, he says your labor. This is a church that is working. Then that word labor is it's hard work. They're they're working to the point of exhaustion. God says you guys are. This church knows about hard work. These people serve in the church of Ephesus. They're willing to get their hands dirty. They're working to the point of exhaustion. And God says, look, I know your works. I know you guys are serving in this way. I know your labor. I see it. I see the labor that you're doing. Next, he says, I know your patience. The idea of patience here is not just waiting, but it's waiting in the midst of difficulty. It's waiting with challenge. God says, I know your patience. You guys have patience. These are great commendations that the Lord has given them. Next, he says, and you cannot bear those who are evil. Right? You guys aren't letting just anything fly in the church of Ephesus. You guys aren't putting up with evil. You guys aren't letting sin run rampant. Some of these things may sound bad to folks today. You know, you won't bear with evil. You got to let people know. God says, I commend you guys for not letting that mess run rampant in the church of Ephesus. It's a good thing to not let evil prevail in the house of God. Amen. That's our job. That's a, we, the church has become very weak today where some people think it's more spiritual to just let folk do whatever they want. And just, just in the name of love, I want you to understand that Jesus says, I commend you guys. On not letting evil run rapid. I, I'm, he's commending them for it. That you do not bear those who are evil. Don't forget that. 
There's a lot of pressure for churches to bend here, but that's not the will of God. So moving on. Next, he says, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and found them liars. He says here, you guys are a discerning church. You guys are testing out the false teachers and the false apostles. People run around saying that they're apostles, saying that they came from God. You guys are putting them to the test, proving them wrong, proving them to be liars. Once again, there's a segment of the church. They would say that's you hate. That's judgmental. That's you should just let everybody just be while you messing with folk. But Jesus says, good job, Ephesus. Hey, good job. Not letting false teachers rise up in the midst of the church of Ephesus. So he's commending them here for being a discerning church. You guys are discerning. You guys are and exposing. You guys aren't quiet about dealing with it. When you guys find out who the false teachers are, you found them to be liars. They were exposed as liars. That's a good thing. Number verse three now. And you have persevered and have patience. And again, the, the word persevered here that they they persevere is, is they stayed with what God has called them to do in the midst of difficulty. They persevered through difficulty and they've been patient. And so this is a church that's been through some difficult times. They've been some, they've been through some rough seasons, but they have persevered. They have hung in there with God and all of this. And I just want you guys to consider as you read the commendations. Remember I told you guys in the beginning of our study of the book of Revelation, we are on every page and every study of this book. We are learning about Jesus. Right. This book is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. So this is the church of Jesus Christ. As we lead, as we read the commendations, I'm reading them saying, God, this is what you want us to be like. This is what you want me to be like. This is what you commend. And I also see what he doesn't like. I'm going to I'm learning about Jesus so that I can be conformed into his image in a greater way so that I and you can have a better relationship with him when we get done with this study. So as you hear these commendations, take note. Does these things, does this characterize you? Do you, does he, if God were to say, man, I, I know your works, would any of these things ring true? Because these are things that God is saying, this is good stuff. You work hard. You are patient. You don't bear with evil. You, you identify false teachers. You're discerning. You, you don't let those things be. You persevered and, and have not, and, and have patience. You, you've been able to go through difficulty, but you've hung in there. Have you stayed with it? You've stayed with what I've given for you to do. Next it says, next part of verse three. And have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. I mean, you guys have labored. Again, that word labored is working to the point of exhaustion. You guys have labored for my name's sake. It's been about me. You've labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. And again, they were doing this during an era of heavy persecution. There were lots of difficulties. There were lots of things against the church, as do we. We have our own challenges in our culture. But Jesus is saying, hey, this is commendable, you guys. You guys are... This I read this and I think this this is a great church. I would want to be at this church. I would want to be around these. I would want to pastor a church like this. I would want to serve at a church. This sounds like a banging awesome woo kind of church, you know. But <laughs> verse four, you know, and it does, it does. But then we get to verse four and you read the words nevertheless. And I just, I mean, when I read it, as you read all these wonderful things, it's like it's like blowing up a balloon and just going. Just pop, put, putting a pen in it and just hearing the air all come out. When Jesus says, nevertheless, this is what it means. Never mind all of that. While all of that is true, it has now become irrelevant because of what I'm going to say next. Nevertheless. And you need to keep that in mind that you, 
this church is where well, all that they're doing right. There's something that they're doing that's so wrong. God says that it, all that's null and void because of this. All of that is irrelevant now because this thing right here is, is, is not where it needs to be. And so I want to know what that is. I want to pay. I don't want to be that church. I don't want to be the church that's doing all that stuff that's good. And I was, I'm sure externally people would look at the church of Ephesus and say, that's a great church. But Jesus Christ is looking at the church saying, while all that's wonderful, irrelevant because of this, nevertheless. And if I can give personal testimony to you guys, when I first got going in my walk with the Lord, there was immediate radical change in my life. Alcohol, this, that, and the other things. Things went 180 in a big way. And, and I rode that wave for some time. I was doing well, was growing in my relationship with the Lord. My very first men's uh, retreat, men's advance, was with Calvary Chapel Downey when I first got there. Uh, I, I think it was, when I first got there, it was one of the first things that happened. I went to a men's study, and I still remember the guy, his name is Gilbert Lopez. And he was like, hey, are you going up to the men's advance? I was like, nah, I don't do the mountains. And I don't do the mountains. Um, that was brand new for me. And he was like, I'm, I'm, I don't go to the mountains. I definitely don't pay money to go up to the mountains. So no, nah, I'm not planning to go. And then he saw me again. He said, hey, someone paid your way, man. And I'll drive you up. And I was like, I, all right, I guess I'm going up to the mountain, you know. And, uh, and I went to this men's advance. And there was a pastor named Odin Fong, one of the Calvary Chapel OGs. And uh, he was teaching this text. And he's going through it. And when he said that phrase, nevertheless, have this against you. The Holy Spirit nailed me. And I, I mean, I, my life was pretty, and my life on the surface was, was going well. But there was something, as he spoke that day, there was something right there that the Lord was like, but that thing. But I want that. I want to die on the cross for most of you. I want all of you. And that was a, it was a pivotal point for me. Like God, God met me. I remember hearing those words, nevertheless. Never mind that you don't do this and you don't do this and now you do that and you got these things going right. Never mind all of that. I still want this. And because we have a very personal, intimate relationship with the Lord, I do want to challenge everybody to hear, hear these words. Because maybe you're on the surface, you're a good person. You're a solid Christian walking with the Lord. We can have all these things going well. You could have, you know, opinions about you could be high. But if there's something that the Holy Spirit has been on you about, if there's something that the Spirit of God has been saying, man, this, I want, I want, I want total surrender. I want victory here. I don't want most of it. It's not enough to have most of you. I died for all of you. If that exists in your heart and your life, I want you to tune in and I want you to listen in um, because today for you should be a day of turnaround. Today should be for you a day where you say yes, Lord. And repent of whatever it is and give him everything. Come come to him with everything. Because, again, no one could argue that this is not a wonderful church. But if God says after all of those commendations, nevertheless, it means you're a wonderful church, but it's not with God, not, not, not exactly what Jesus wanted. It's a wonderful church, but, you know, there's something that ruins everything. Um, I, I, I illustrated like this before. I said somebody came and said, hey, you know, that lottery ticket that you, you bought. It, it's it's it was a winner, and you know like that. That sounds great, you know. I mean, I'm like, I'm not 
condoning if y'all played the lottery, if y'all was gambling and whatnot. But but let's say you did. You you bought a ticket, you had it as a winner. So that lottery ticket that you bought, that one you had, it, it was it was a winner. That would be great. But nevertheless, you know, someone else found your ticket and cashed it in. So it, it was a winner. That would, that would ruin it. But it would just kind of suck all the air out, you know. Hey, there's a check in the mail for you for a million dollars. Here, look, you could have been blessed by it. Oh. It's just, but it's, it's, it's connected to a bank account. There's nothing in it. That, it, it just, it's this great thing that's like, oh, it's, it's, it's just great on paper now. It, it doesn't, it's not going to do anything for me. That's what this is. All these wonderful things. Jesus says, nevertheless, look what he says in verse four. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Three phrases. First, nevertheless, that means never mind all that I just said. Second phrase, I have this against you. You don't want Christ to have something against you. Amen? And if he does, you want to address it quickly. If Jesus Christ comes and says, I have this against you, you want to get that off quick. You want to deal with it quickly. They got Jesus is saying, look, I have this against you. And he says, you guys have left your first love. This is what I've been pondering all week as I've been preparing for this. Why would they serve like that? They don't, if they don't have a first love relationship with the Lord. Why would a group of people, why would a church do all these things? And Jesus is looking and saying, you guys don't love me supremely anymore. Uh, you left your first love. We're not, we're not, it's, it's not what it, where it needs to be in terms of you and me. And this is what God would be saying, right? Maybe you're serving and you're doing and you're, you know, this is a church that got solid background. They were under solid teaching. They had a great start. And this could be the damage. This could be the, the, of the weakness, maybe for some older saints, maybe someone that's been in the Lord for a while and you got strong heritage and, and you've grown up in the things of God. And you've been doing it for a long time. After a while, you can be doing all the stuff because you just know what's supposed to be done. But but there's no devotion to Jesus. There's no real intimacy with Christ. The motive is no longer what it used to be. The motive used to be passionate love for Jesus and grateful appreciation for the cross that would move you to serve him and be willing to do whatever. But maybe now, maybe sometimes, maybe it's just because I just, you know, this is just what I do now. Now I just do this. It's the same thing I was doing before, but before I was doing it out of passion for Jesus. I was doing it out of gratefulness to who he is and what he did for me on the cross. There was a sweetness about my service that now I'm doing the same stuff because I know I need to be doing it. I know I'm supposed to be, but I'm not doing it in this with the same heart. Maybe some marriages, this can happen. You have a husband and wife and, and they get married and they're all in love and the wife's like, what do you love to eat? I'm going to cook you what you like to eat and she cooks him all what he likes to eat and she does it because she loves him. He's like, I'm going to work real hard and make sure you have everything you need and, and the, the motives were love and care and it was sweet and, and then it, the marriage can get crusty. He still goes to work. He's still providing for us. He's still flipping burgers and here dinner, honey, man. But, the, but it's not what it used to be. They're still doing the same stuff, but it's not like it was over here. It wasn't, it's not with the warm fuzzy and the, the cuddly cool and the, it's, it's all that's gone, which is still doing the stuff. It is sometimes necessary that we just pull up and say, God, why am I doing what I'm doing? And maybe I need to reconnect and I need to refocus. I need to reset so that I can be doing the right things for the right reason. Something had happened in the church of Ephesus where the machine was still going, but Jesus is saying, you left. Heart's not in it. You you left this first love. You have I'm no longer your first love. And first is in the order of priority. It's it's I'm not first anymore. 
Maybe for them, serving was first. Maybe the, the stuff they were doing, some people do the right thing because they want to be right. It's not. It's no longer about God. It's about I'm, I'm doing the right thing. There could be a number of reasons. It doesn't matter. Jesus says this. I'm not first anymore. That's the problem. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. What's swirling in your mind just now after what you've heard in today's message? Sometimes it takes a bit of time to fully process what was shared. Revelation is definitely one of those books that you have to almost sit and chew on, trying to discern what in the world it all means. But the good news is, God's given us His Word to help us know and understand what's ahead. What a gift. He didn't leave it all a mystery. He's revealing things on each page of this book, whether or not you're fully in the know of all that it means in this moment. Keep studying it on your own and digging into Scripture with an appetite that's ready to take in what God has for you. If you like the message you just heard, we're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If so, locate the Give tab on our site. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. We're located in Inglewood, California. So if you have some extra time and are nearby, we'd love for you to attend one of our services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If there's a scheduling conflict, come Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We hope that this message has ministered to your heart and you have a little more peace next time listening to it. We look forward to our next time as Pastor Bill teaches in Revelation right here on A Transforming Word.